To anyone in the world of internal communications, our guest on the Comms Careers podcast today needs no introduction. Jennifer Sproul is the CEO of the Institute of Internal Communication, and in the last eight years, to say she has transformed the Institute would be an understatement. From offering highly regarded academic qualifications, respected awards, coaching and mentoring programs, cutting-edge research, and a podcast, to catering for every internal communicator's training need, the IOIC is the go-to membership body for anyone in internal comms. And this episode is a goodie because, while we obviously talk about comms and the current world of work and careers, it's Jen's never-heard-before personal career insights that make this an episode that you have to listen to. So welcome everybody to the Cons Careers podcast. I'm delighted today to have a very special guest, Jennifer Sproul. But before we get chatting to Jen, uh, I'm Joe Hall, uh, one of your hosts for today. And I'm Lisa McMillan, the other host. <laughs> Uh, we're delighted, very delighted, to have Jennifer Sproul here, who's the Chief Executive of the Institute of Internal Communication. So welcome, Jen. Thank you so much for coming in. Oh, my pleasure. I'm thrilled anything for you, Joe. You know how good I, we, we've known each other for a long time now, and it's lovely to have maybe a recorded conversation between us. We've had so many over the years. I know, I think <laughs> most of them perhaps should not have been recorded. Though, but. Yes. <laughs> Leave those ones in, yeah, in pubs and other places, wherever. But um, so obviously the, the title of our podcast is Comms Careers Podcast, so it kind of does what it says on the tin. So I'm really intrigued to know a little bit more about your own career. And, you know, yours hasn't actually been all in internal comms at all. No, no, not at all. I, I, yeah, so, so my career, I think, is sort of a, a bit different to perhaps an internal communicator's career because that's, I guess, to some degree, not necessarily my profession, but the professional community that, that I, I work really hard to, to represent and advocate for um, in terms of, but, but, there are te- but there are links to my career experience that, that put me in that place, if you know what I mean. Um, so from, from my career point of view, so, you know, I started out, well, I'm a, I graduated, I'm a marketing graduate, so I'm a marketeer in terms of skills and um, higher education and all of the uh, qualifications that, that I have done. So I guess that that's kind of uh, my background in terms of, of where I come to. And then I think I started working in from there in trade publishing. Um, so you can see how suddenly marketing and trade publishing and content and internal comms starts to make a really nice picture. Um, so I started it in trade publishing when it was all just about magazines because the internet wasn't a thing. Um, now you slightly <laughs> your age away. I know, slightly giving my age away, but the internet wasn't a thing. Um, so you worked very hard with the, you know, the, the editorial team, repro houses, printers, you know. I remember the days of chromolins, such um, many people don't get excited about, which we used to. Um, and therefore, then it was all about that kind of content production and what that meant and what that looked like. Um, but then I was around when the internet emerged. And so I started out my career really then starting to establish digital infrastructure for trade titles. So launching news websites, jobs boards, moving from monthly news feature writing to, to, to daily news and how we went about that. Um, and then I was within a membership bodies world as well. Um, so I did that for the market research industry. 
And then I migrated over into um, becoming a marketing director then within um, the wider membership institution. So I was originally the director within the commercial publishing division. And then I took on the wider membership body uh, thing where I looked after membership qualifications, skills, training, careers. Um, And then with that, the whole marketing of the brand, rebranding, governance, and all those sorts of things. Um, And after being in that for many, many years, sort of the the IOIC came up as an opportunity. And for me, it it felt like a real good blend of what I understand the tactical side of, of what it means to create content and news and and push content and how it's about engagement and that. But I also understand membership bodies and careers and qualifications and governance and commerciality and all that comes with it. Um, and so obviously being chief exec of IOIC, my role is is not only to to run the business day to day and and to be an advocate, but also, you know, I'm the finance director, I'm the marketing director. So I, I would say I'm a, a knower of a lot and a master of none. <laughs> I was going to actually say you sound like the perfect candidate. <laughs> Yeah, same. So yeah, that's a bit of a plot without going over the too many decades. <laughs> I started in the world of fax machines, so I was just going back there. I remember saying that to a member of my team, and they just looked at me completely baffled. So <laughs> yeah, well, well, I I did um events as well early on in my career as part because obviously when trade publishing you extended then into events. And so the first events I, I ran were all RSV by, RSVP by fax. So you spend days waiting for them to come through. Or we, we produce um, an annual directory and every page was proofed and signed off by fax. Wow. We don't realise actually how easy and automated our lives are these days. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The hours that would go into that. Just to... Oh <laughs> then in Quark... <laughs> It was really interesting because there's um, there's a report by uh, the Josh Bershin, uh company talking a lot about you know the the world of work and and skills in particular, and I think there's a real shift actually from a careers perspective rather than looking at someone's CV and actually thinking oh these are the job titles and the key responsibilities that they had and actually drilling down much more into the skills that people have. And they bring to the table and that are transferable and you know listening to you then jen it was just all these i could you know just imagine the thousands and thousands of skills that you've got you know and the the richness of, of skills that you bring to the table as into your role and they're so unique aren't they mm. yeah and i i think they are i mean i think my career has been i well i've personally enjoyed it and i've loved it but i think the biggest thing I've learned over time, or the biggest thing that I think actually, you know, has been my advantage, I should say, over time as well, is that obviously I have based my career largely within smaller organizations, okay, rather than some perhaps um, where you get into bigger corporates and, and that can be really, really difficult. But I think that being keen and curious to know everything and to play with everything. I am not, I do not have a finance qualification, but I understand accounts capital expenditure what it means to have money and therefore then but i also understand the mechanics of websites and news stories and tech but i'm not an it person so i think it's that sometimes this thing is that we feel like we need to have the depth of everything to be able to have an opinion on something whereas i think actually if you spend your time being curious to understand 
well, I understand what finance is. I understand commerciality. I also understand a little bit about rules of academia. It makes me able to confidently enter a conversation, but I also can sit there and go, but I'm not the expert. But that's where I know I need to bring in the depth of knowledge that I don't know. So I think it's okay to have, to perhaps be two depths down rather than the full depth of, uh, under the ocean um, to be able to then give you that confidence, I think, to be able to have conversations with others and be an interested party. Um, and that's certainly something, what, what I said earlier, I'm, I'm a knower of a lot and a master of none. And I think that's a good skill to have. And, and I've enjoyed collecting those bits of skills because it makes you seem really well-rounded and it also gives you, I think, sometimes confidence to move between discussions in a way that if I'd stayed so in one area, in one area of depth, that would have been something that would have been so easy for me. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, that makes sense. Has that been a deliberate choice, I guess, staying in smaller organisations where you've been able to dabble in all those areas as opposed to going to the larger organisations where sometimes you just get narrowed into particularly one sector? Has that been a deliberate choice or just as you've transformed? Initially, no. Initially, I wanted to be a marketeer. I was like, I have a marketing degree. I have a qualification in marketing. I'm going to be everything that it is to be a marketeer and therefore you know that would would work into to big brands and so on and so forth um so it wasn't initially but then as I sort of started out on the trade side of things and then I was like well that's an interesting project maybe I can sort of get into that room and see if I can help and and don't be afraid I'm not af too afraid often of trial and error um and making mistakes um and as I did that and I started to see that, I suddenly went, actually, no, this is going to be, it became deliberate in the end because what I, because I sat down for myself once and I said, Jen, do you want to be the top marketing person and do you want to go into the corporate world? Is that the thing for you? And I sort of, no, actually, no, I really enjoy being able to make a difference and feel something. And I like knowing a lot. I like being curious and being nosy. Um, but I also, I like when I come back to the core of, my marketing skills, I guess, or comms or people, that's what I enjoy. Um, so in the end, it, it, as I got later on in my career, and certainly by the age I am now, you're sort of a little bit more stuck in your lane. Um, it, it had to become deliberate eventually, but it wasn't at the outset. Um, but I think that just shows if you put yourself in environments or the choices that we make, it's just to flow with it and be flexible with it and be curious with it. Um, but it doesn't have to be so rigid in something i i completely agree with that you know um you both know that i've got two uh teenagers well actually isabella's 20 so she's not in her teens anymore that's aging me right but <laughs> i all, i've always said to them you know as they were going through you know time and choosing their gcse's a levels degree courses whatever do what you love and do what you're really good at and i think it's that and i i say this even with my coaching clients as well it's life is yours to live it, there are actually no rules. There are no boundaries. There are no limitations. It's only what we put on our own lives or the judgments or the the expectations that we place on ourselves actually that limits us. And I think what you're saying, Jen, is actually if you stay curious, you're not quite sure where it's going to lead you, but actually you end up then doing things that you find that you do like, things that you don't enjoy, and actually then start to really hone your career and actually, let's say, our lives to be much more fulfilling because you end up doing what you really love doing and you're really good at. Yeah, absolutely. And and if I reflect back to those many decades ago when I was perhaps at, the, at your, your daughter's age it is now, and, and I think that 
you know, for my generation was you sort of, you had a degree and your parents sort of, my parents always, my brother was very academic and everyone was like, well, he was clearly going, and he's done incredibly well and he's followed his linear path and done his thing. And there was, Jen's the one with the personality. So hopefully she'll be all right. That was, that was how I was described. <laughs> um, but I, but, but I think, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, but I think that that that's even we're able to lean into that more than ever now, and I think that's a change in, in in the society and the way that we live and the way that we think about skills and we think about professions. We don't. There was a very I think linear way of thinking of where your life would be. You would go to university, you'd pick something, you'd get a job in it, and you'd stay there till retirement because the pension was good. That's mm-hmm. not the world we live in anymore. So actually that curiosity and that fluidity is a great change and also a great opportunity if that's the mindset that you want to have with it. Doesn't mean you can't be Lilia, but you can be anything you want to be. Exactly, exactly. And I think it's breaking that mold and breaking that expectation, even with yourself, you know, sod everybody else, let's do you. Yeah. It's, it's about, because I know when I started, you know, running my own business, it was one of my qualifications and you know what am I good at okay so well it's well it's I'm qualified in internal comms let's go down that route but actually there's so many other facets to what I love and I'm actually found and remembered that I'm good at that I now weave into the business that I run now which is so varied it's it's amazing but I think people can also do that within their own careers you know even if they're in the corporate world as well absolutely never feel stuck no, yeah. no, don't ever feel stuck. Always feel the, the the opportunity to move, and 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 I think it's a wonderful shift in the careers landscape. Well, where that's looked on, you know, I remember back in the day, if you took a CV and you saw someone's CV and they'd been there sort of three years, you would be like, oh, ah, uh, oh, that's that. Does that make them loyal? You there? But I think that now, as as I as employ someone. I don't think we look at the world with that. We expect people to move around. And there's some now that we expect that we encourage that because it isn't that working world. I don't know if that's any of your experiences, but certainly for me, the way I look at a CV now, or I was perhaps told to look at a CV 20 years ago, is a very different mindset. I think there's a very different mindset now. And I think some employers still haven't really caught up. Um, so if they are looking for, per se, an internal comms person, they won't look outside the box. They need someone from... I don't know whether it might be financial services and they won't look outside. And I've always been an advocate of actually let's look at my job is to find the cultural fit, obviously the skills, but you've got those broad skills. Um, I do think that there is still a, a gap there on some employers and, 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 and their mindset on that. And I think that needs to shift. Um, and I think it is changing. Um, I'll often speak to employers now and they say, actually, we, we do want something a bit different or let's look at this person. I'm going to... I'll put a world card in, so if so to speak, and they're like, thank goodness you did that. I love the world card, you know. Um, but I think it's changing. Mm, it is. And, and I think that you've raised something good as well. That is, and I think we need to look at the world of what can be inherent and what can be taught. And actually skills, you know, we need skills to do certain things. I mean, I'm, I, you know, I still have had to do some learnings over the years. But if we bring someone in with the right mindset that's going to do the right thing and come from a variety of backgrounds we can if organizations put on the right support and the right programs that's that we you know people can learn and, and build skills mm, you're never too old to learn i say i think that's interesting on the support thing just looking at sort of agile working hybrid working 
whether sort of the who's in the office, who's not in the office, and how sort of the you know the young younger generation how they are going to get that support and that learning that we've all had throughout our careers. Um, I think there's a huge huge topic, but just I, I think there's you know there's a very valid point there and how that how we change that shift. Mm. Yeah, that's a whole topic that could take a whole another hour of conversation. A whole another, <laughs> whole another podcast session. So it won't go down. <laughs> be a rabbit hole, couldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> we need to bring you back, Jen. Yeah, we will. Mental. <laughs> so, um, you know, you talk about learning and being curious and stuff. What What would you say if, if you look back on reflection of your career? What has been, say, one or two of the key learnings that you know, you'd love to convey to listeners if they were to never make that mistake. What what would it be? I think the first thing I would say is don't worry if you make a mistake. Mistakes are how we learn. Never be afraid of them. Um, unless, you know, there are some things that you might want to take on, but don't be afraid of mistakes. Yeah. Um, I think I remember the first big mistake I made was often in copy, actually, where I made a number of typos. I'm sure everyone's done. Um and I and I knew, that was a horrendous experience. I was not met met well, but I learned from it. Um, but I would first of all say, don't worry about mistakes. They do everything's a learning curve. But I think the biggest tip I could say in terms of the things that I would always recommend to to take with you, as well as from an internal comms point of view, I'd say know your audience. Spend your time in relationships. Um, spend your time connecting people and understanding. Because sometimes we're so conscious to get to the tick list to say we've done it that we're not spending that time to really, really do that listening and that relationship piece. It can feel like I haven't got time for a cup of coffee. Everyone's too busy. or But they are the fundamental things that really do put you in good stead in many ways. Not only does that help you raise your profile, A, but also B, it helps you kind of go, okay, I see what their problems are now. I've appropriately identified the problem so I can bring the appropriate solution. Or I'm doing something, <clears throat> excuse me, and I can't, I don't know why the audience isn't resonating with it because I haven't necessarily understood where the audience is coming from. Um, because I think relationships are fundamental in any role and in any workplace. And if you have those relationships and you make mistakes, then that's going to put you in a great place because they'll be good with those mistakes and help you overcome them. Yeah. Um, but I would certainly spend the time connecting with people. Oh, I mean, I mean, Lisa. I mean, Lisa is a networker extraordinaire. <laughs> Lisa's network is insane. But I mean, from my perspective, obviously, relationships are so key in 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 running a business from the comms landscape. You know, it, it, we cannot survive on our own. We're not we're not meant to survive on our own anyway. But um, I'll bring into the equation, obviously, as a bit of a plug for you, Jen. The, um, the IC Index Report, which, of course, was published uh, earlier this mm-hmm. year. And, of course, audience features very highly in that, unsurprisingly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what was what were one of the key things that you found that was a real surprise to you from, from that research and that report? Mm, absolutely, and appreciating the plug as well. I think... That... <sighs> I think that, that I think the thing that most surprised me, or the things that really came out around it, were actually a lot of it was around the polarizing topics in terms of, and this comes down to audience understanding. That was one: is that we think because we are doing so much work on it that actually we're polarizing where the audience wants to see. Actually, at the heart of it, we, we know people want to know more about pay and benefits. We know people want to know more about career and progression and pathways. 
But when you get onto the polarizing side of things, there's values and DNI and culture, and actually there's too much and too little of it. And I think that surprised me is that what I thought was, if you were listening to to the narrative, I guess, out there, is that actually if we don't get values and culture right, the rest of it is a moot point, right? Because we're always told people people come to work for organizations where the culture feels right and the values feels right. But actually what was what that's saying to us is it's neither bad nor good. We're quite indifferent about how that handles. But if you don't fix the fundamental piece beneath it first, which is what is the strategy of organization strategy what is my role what's my career opportunities and what are my benefits that actually we need to make sure that we are making sure there's clarity on those fundamental things that make us feeling valued and connected and know what we're doing about how do we make alongside those other topics that we're trying to show we're doing the right things but they're not quite embedded in the dna so i think for me i thought that they would come out as we need more on this we need more on this whereas actually it was really straight down the middle so perhaps we are, it indicates where we are on that journey with it as well. Um, and for me, it comes down to that audience understanding piece. And actually, I don't know, I'm one of those people that when I sit down with friends or anyone I speak to, I always ask them about work and I'm like, well, you know, depending on whatever they do. And the amount of conversations I have with just people that say, to me, well, I keep suggesting these things, but I don't know what my role is and I'm not quite sure. And I don't know about, and it really does feel like, some of those fundamental things that make us feel supported and like we're part of this way this company's going are not being are not being addressed or they're really causing an issue. I don't know if that makes any sense to what you're hearing and seeing, but I think that surprised me. And then you mix that with a lack of feedback. Oh, the lack of feedback or the lack of listening. Yeah, yeah, it's a massive thing. And I think for all generational groups as well, it's, it's huge. And I think I agree with you. I've been hearing the same thing it is around We've always thought it's found a balance of DNA. It's the whole thing combined. It's the journey that you know you want to take people on. It's being clear on what their role is, and as you just to your point, what their journey is going to be. Where where are they going? Um, and I think a lot of um, a lot of the time we don't get that right. I think we've got to we've got, we've got to focus on those pathways and when taking people with them as opposed to and if your culture and values are embedded right, then they will be lived throughout the way you execute that environment and maybe we're just it maybe it indicates the journey that we're on is in, in in as the workplace changes that we're trying to fix this underlying culture thing and actually eventually when that becomes inherent in our behavior it's not a topic it's a it's a way we work it's a it's a it's a normality well i think it was a mckinsey report that was done last year and maybe even the year before actually and looked as the reasons why people were leaving organizations and actually, one of the key things was not what I would have thought would be the key thing, which would be salary and benefits. It was actually because people didn't see that they had a future, that they didn't see that they had a career pathway. And I think there's more of this. Well, I suppose it comes back to, you know, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. When you're, you know, your your base salary is covered, then you're looking for the next level of, you know, self-actualization and, you know, um, your your role in the organization that sense of belonging connection to other people but that comes from really understanding what your contribution is as an individual and i think that's a key thing that we need to be able to convey as as internal communicators either directly well both directly and through our managers is to be able to help people really understand you know where they fit and how they contribute mm. so that they do feel valued 
you know, there's, there's a huge thing around, you know, people feeling rewarded and recognised. And it isn't necessarily through salary. Of course, that helps for sure. <laughs> it's a fundamental need. But, you know, that piece around, you know, we really recognise what you're contributing to the su- success of this organisation. It's not to be, you know, underestimated at all, is it? It's not at all. And it's because that's what's personal. And I always say with internal comms, we're in the business of emotion. We're in the, I always like to say we're in the business of return on emotion. And, um, yeah. I, I, and I think that, and so to be emotional, it has to be personal. You can't feel like a cog in a wheel. Um, you don't expect, when, you know, we aren't, we're, we're also reasonable and we have logic. We don't expect everything to be curated to, you know, the house and thousands of workforces. But if we don't feel that somebody's thinking about what we need or where we're going, our career or our voices can be expressed, we just don't feel that connected to it. And we're then emotionally disconnected. And if the salary, which is the thing, the only thing that's keeping you there and can be well competed by many other organizations in the five of talent that we have, it's not enough of a of an impetus now to keep you. Because I always say as well, the contract with employee and employee has shifted. Like I said earlier on, you know, it was back in the 30 years ago, my family's perhaps generation, my parents' generation was, if you left a job, you, were, you must stay for 30 years because then you'll get the pension that will take care of you. That just isn't there anymore. We're not in that contractual place. Um, so I think that we really do need to, to work on how that, and I think that we're all shifting towards the employee experience model versus that and where that all blends together. And I think this is a time where not only do we need to make emotional connection with our audiences, we also need to be, as professionals in our own rights, building our relationships across departments so that we work in a joined up way because then it will just end up being a disjointed experience for even with the best of endeavours. Um, how do you but, think? Yeah, I think I was just, I'm sorry, I was just going to say, how do you think from an IC director point of view, how do, the, how do we get that to kind of come down and, and sort of flow down through the rest of the organisation and get that input from the C-suite, from the CEO? Mm. That's always been quite a tough, how, how, do, we, how do we sort of navigate that as a, as, you know, as a comms director, internal comms director? Absolutely, it's a really good question, and it's been been a constant challenge, and that's one of the reasons why why you know we we launched the the IC index because it hopes to give some data points to display the importance of it. And I had some really interesting conversations on that point over the the recent weeks. It's because it seems to be at top table we have business and operation KPIs objectives sit firmly, and the people objectives just don't seem to fit in the same class perhaps I don't mean all the same narrative or the same place so how are we aligning those and I think it comes that back to I get a strategic mindset or an alignment mindset that that we don't have you know because if you for example if the other thing you look at the index what it's saying to you is you've got this strategy paradox where all the senior leaders they believe in it they think it's the right one because they understand it and then you go further down they don't understand it nor do they believe in it because somewhere up here, we're making great decisions in this C-suite or in this thing. And we go, yeah, that acronym, I understand that objective. That's totally where we should go. And then it's just living in this upward bubble. Mm-hmm. And that clarity is not dripping down through an organization, which then is where action happens. That's where the yeah. stuff actually happens. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, so as an IC director, I think it's incumbent upon us um, to point that out to point that out to use data to use insights to use impact 
that you can anywhere in your business to make that case. And I think, you know, evidence talks to power, you know, all those sorts of things really, really does help. Also, anecdotal evidence speaks. It doesn't have to be yeah. robust, overthought through. And I guess that's something where I would say that, as I said, be curious. So I'm not a researcher. I'm not a, a set, but I have been curious enough in time to ask questions and try and put stuff in spreadsheets to go, well, what's you doing over there? And what are you doing over here? And that's interesting, isn't it? To find patterns. You know, if we don't find patterns, AI will start finding them for us, um, which is the other thing. But to be curious, because that can then go, well, your objective, you, lovely, but your objective isn't working because it's not being actioned down here in the business. And until we start to map all that together, um, that becomes, and, and value each other's unique skill sets, and, and but how they complement each other. Nothing yeah. is good without the other. Yeah, and I, I think that's, you know, in terms of understanding yourself, you know, going back to what we were originally talking about mm -hmm. at the start of this podcast is around our own individual skills and, you know, the variety that we have. But also, I think it's really wise of us to be able to identify the skill gaps that we have and whether we want to fill those gaps or whether we actually, it's best for us actually to outsource it or pull other people in, you know, in order to to get that breadth of experience, to build up the relationships, to broaden our, you know, insights and perspectives. I mean, that's that's the beauty of working in teams or collaborating with other people, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I think that's so also back to your point around the audience, Jen, in terms of, the more conversations that you have and they can just be simple it could be a quick pick up the phone or a you know some instant message chats it doesn't have to be complex nor time consuming but in order to get those insights that's such rich data mm. that then informs how we need to be progressing and moving and the actions that we need to be taking but also where the opportunities lie as well absolutely and and it is absolutely, absolutely right. And I think that if you invest in those and, and you maintain that curiosity and don't think you have to be everything because nobody is everything. I'm not good at it. Nobody's good at everything. Mm. And we, you know, I always say this as a leader, if I built my entire um, team to be exactly like me, then we probably wouldn't have a lot of good things <laughs> because I'd not, I don't know everything and I can't do everything. Um, and, 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 and any leader, I think that worth as well recognizes their own personal limitations um alongside anything else and 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 I'm no perfect individual and actually your job as a leader is to empower others and to bring in others and then so you just take that mindset and you just put that exact same mindset into any point if you're an internal consultant go look I'm really comfortable I'm not comfortable in words but I will have a go but then I'll be like I've got an editor friend over here or my colleague I'll be like can you help me with this and that's okay um, because that's how we put things together. And I think if you sit there as an internal communicator, you can use many things. Like we've have our profession map and you can kind of go, where am I on this? So you can ask yourself those questions. Do I want to get, as you say, Judge, do I want to get really highly skilled at that? Or actually, I'm curious to understand it, but I'd rather find someone that can help me with that and reach out to our colleagues in other departments um, and to help ourselves get that because it's, it's the outcome we should be focused on, I think. It's one of my favorite words and it's one of the words I use constantly when I'm doing the measurement uh, course for you guys as well, outcome. So yeah. thinking of outcomes for this podcast, one of them, one of our outcomes is to really to share obviously great career advice and it's you know amazing to hear your career story and the nuggets that you've woven throughout the conversation today, Jen. But if there was a takeaway, golden 
bit of wisdom that you were to share with our listeners around careers in the current world of work, especially in the comms landscape, what would you want to share with our leaders? What's a key insight? I think in this current state and where we're at as well, I think that one of the things that I have seen in my role, particularly looking into the internal comms professional community, has been around confidence. Actually, it's not necessarily always been about skills. I think you could easily sit here and go, go online, take the professional map and do your own personal skills analysis, find out your strengths, find your mediums and find your weaknesses and put together a targeted plan for yourself. Absolutely. That's, yeah. that's case in point, you should do that. Um, but when you've got to that, also as well, you know, we can easily, that's a terrible phrase, but I have nothing else in my brain. We can all easily hide our light under a bushel. I hate myself as well for saying it, but I've said it and I can't take it back. It's out there. But we need, to, we, we need to step out and to do that. So I think for me, from a practical point of view, I would go out there and do your own quick self-assessment. Figure out where you're at. There's lots of competency frameworks out there that can, even ours or somebody else's, that, that can enable you to do that and put together your own personal development plan. It's worth it. It gives you a pathway, knowing where we're going, where we're trying to get to, career pathways. We've talked about it. That's what we want. If it's not yeah. being given to you, do one for yourself. There's yeah. plenty of tools out there that can enable that. Then I would layer that with perhaps also in this in this modern phrase as well is, is to get yourself a really good mentor, a really good buddy and a really good network because then you can take the the, the career path or the challenge that you have or like I said we're all different your challenge could be listening well no one's listening to me and I haven't got relationships find someone that can role model or coach you through that or it could be actually I feel really I've got all the skills or I actually really need to know more about this and some of them we did this piece of work and just here's an example of it and then suddenly that can give you the okay I'm confident now be curious absorb knowledge read around things read outside of your sector you know just maintain that mindset and I'd find someone that can really help you as a mentor slash coach slash buddy whatever works best for you that can help for how you personally enact your plan Mm -hmm. that is that is juicy advice that's really good it's about ownership isn't it it just yeah it is you know what and 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 don't sit there and, and wait for things to be done if you're frustrated use that to the power of your goodness you know power of your own destiny because um, we, we've all been there enough as well, <laughs> you know, and it happens to us all. Um, but use that and, um, you, you know, everything's in your control as much as you want it to be. Yeah. And if it's not right for you, you walk away and you find somewhere that is right for you. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's tuning into that frustration. Frustration is such a powerful feeling, isn't it? Because you know that it's something is awry, but then it's a case of what you're going to do with it. How are you going to take action? How are you going to step up, take responsibility? Don't let it build up. Don't let it rest in you. Don't let it rest in you as a, as a, in a coil in your stomach. Let it drive you. Oh, that sounds like a perfect place to end, I think, Jen. Don't you think, Lisa? Yeah, Pleasure. I do. That's been fabulous. Thank you very much indeed. Oh, thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Jen. And we will catch up soon anyway. But thank you so much for this. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, Jen. Take care. So 
Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, we would love you to subscribe or follow us to make sure that you don't ever miss an episode. And of course, if you've enjoyed this episode, then please do share it so that we increase our reach and our audience. Thank you very much for joining. Thank you.